All right, welcome everybody to uh, Acting 101. We're here with uh, Sean Whalen. Hello. Uh, I'm sure the, the question on everyone's mind is, uh, what is a Got Milk commercial like? <laughs> what is a Got Milk commercial like? Um, does everybody know what that is? <laughs> okay. It was my joke I was hoping for people. Yeah. You know, it was obscure. Um, so, no, uh, so it's Acting 101. Uh, how did you get started in, in the acting business? Um, I was always interested in... I mean, I entertained my brothers and sisters while they did the dishes after dinner because I didn't want it. So I would keep them laughing and distracted, and then they would... To realize that you weren't doing anything? Yeah. (laughs) So then uh, when they were done, you know, my job finished, and that's how I honed my skills. And then then finally they got wind of it or or figured it out, and finally, you know, they would say, all right, we're done. And I go, yeah, but there's all this left to do and I go oh yeah that's your part oh, nice. we did our part now nice. that's your part so I had to find a different audience so uh, <laughs> I started doing it in elementary school and I started to do it in junior high school and um, throughout high school musical theater dancing all of it and then um, I got into UCLA theater department um, and came out West, I went to UCLA Theater Department. I didn't enjoy that program as much, so I was only there for a year and then went to um, just had a normal college experience. And then after I graduated, I, I got, went to the Groundland, a um, comedy school in Los Angeles where it's a sketch comedy school where a lot of people signed up. Oh, tons Kristen, of people have been through there. Yeah. Kristen Wig and uh, Will Farrell, a bunch of different people. And I did that for a few years, then I went to Playhouse West. But while I was at Growling, so you were performing the shows, I was at home with Lisa Goudreau. Yeah. And then an agent came and saw me and booked me there and so did my commercial agent. And I've been with my commercial agents for 30-some years. Um, and then I kept going after that wait and then once I got people under the stairs it was enough to have me stop waiting tables right right been at it ever since and then rode the ups and downs had to go back and do a side job in the early 2000s for like six seven years um because it was after 9-11 and the whole industry kind of shifted and how they did things and so now I'm teaching and doing a bunch of different things at once so, but that's how I kind of got into it. I, I, I just got into, really, with the growlings that got me into it professionally because as I was performing, agents and managers were interested in me yeah. and not the other way around. And so I didn't have to go seek out. Was your family supportive through this process? Or oh, that kind yeah, of like, yeah, totally, yeah. the whole time. It was really great. They were really happy for me, so it was great. And, and so now you teach. Like where where do you? Teach? I teach at Playhouse West, the place that I actually went to after Groundlings. Um, it was started by Jeff Goldblum. Oh sure. And um, a Bob Carnegie. It's uh, their neighborhood Playhouse, which is a very famous acting school in New York from San San Diego. And now I do a comedy program there. I teach the comedy improv program there. Me and two other guys. So what what is the primary difference between? improv and more scripted stuff like well improv is completely free i mean there's no script Mm -hmm. you make up the story as you go it's like 100 percent play um like i always hear the term yes and yes and yeah yeah so um say 
you know, oh, you're in a grocery store with, and your scene partner standing there, and he's saying, oh, I'm packing stuff in a grocery store. I can't walk in and go, no, you're not. You're in a spaceship. You know, uh, you go, oh yeah, and, and those cucumbers are rotten. You can't put those out. And then you start building a scene and just building off each other, and um, it's unscripted, but you're creating the story right there and then in front of you on the fly. In a, in a script, obviously, you have a script and a roadmap to what you're going to talk about. And I've heard of a lot of actors um, like coming up with their uh, marquee characters from um, um, yeah, Groundlings, Groundlings and, and whatnot. Like yeah. Is there like a character or something that you carried over from? I didn't. I mean, I did a short of one of them called Dorothy 50 Years Later, and it was Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz 50 Years Later, bitter and drunk, and, and, and <laughs> no one believes her, and that. Uh, she's stuck in that crappy farm, and, and um, but I didn't never did that professionally. But um, there's a couple characters for sure that I did in Groundlings that I've used in auditions. For a certain part, I did a nerdy professor kind of uh, person, and I did uh, that um, in several auditions and book roles from there. But not, I didn't go to Saturday Night Live, so like Will Ferrell had the cheerleaders and right, stuff like that, yeah. and he took them straight from the ground and things like that, but Elvira did, she was at the ground. Right, and Pee Wee Herman was a, a yeah. character there. Was a yeah. character at the Groundlings as well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you've been in tons of different movies, What mm-hmm. disti- is there a distinct acting difference between, say, a movie like Twister... And then into a horror movie, like people under the stairs. Well, Twister wasn't about us at all. It was about the special effects and the adventure. And the flying cows. Yeah, Yeah, the flying cows and the adventure and the excitement of the thing. And you have to, you know, it's humbling to go, okay, I'm in a huge movie, but I'm servicing the special effects. Right, You know what I mean? Um, People under the stairs. Did you you have to act like a tennis ball on a stick, that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of times. I remember Yandabon, it was Swedish, who did speed. You know, I remember we were going to lunch. And he goes, we have to get this shot. And they were like, no, we've got to send them to lunch. He goes, no, no, no. I'll do it real quick. He goes, look, look, you guys are sitting and we were in our bus. And it's when Carrie Elwes' crew dies. And they say, "Oh, right. yeah." They go, "Look, look, you're, you, you see, you see big tornado. It's it's big and fucking scanty. And all of a sudden, it picks up the truck, and you don't know what's gonna happen. And then the truck falls, and it explodes, and they're all dead. And now you're a little freaked out. And you see the tornado get bigger, and now it moves away. Okay, lunch." <laughs> <laughs> and, um, like, all right. Yeah. So I mean, we've done that a couple times, but uh, no. Um, but then the people on the stairs, I mean, Perroach was like a fully realized character with yeah. a backstory and the beginning and the middle of an end. And so, um, you know, that, so that was a lot, different, a lot more intimate. Um, well, I mean, it's hard in completely different ways. Twister, yeah. we were there for six, you know, six months driving down dirt roads, going back and forth, stuff like that. And then um, uh, people under the stairs, you're in a very intimate we were on set. I was on a set the whole right. time. There was no house for me because I was inside. The house was used for the outside. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Wes gave me the space to create my character and do all the do all the preparation needed for all the scenes, but I just played him like he was happy and kind of cocky, you know? Yeah. He thought he was a badass. So. Is there a particular type of director that you prefer to work with? Uh, not necessarily. I mean... 
I think all of it's just know what they want and know uh, know to collab, you know, to collaborate. Yeah. To not just say that's open to ideas. I right. think those are the funnest ones. The ones that aren't open to any ideas and are, you know, there's only a couple of directors where they're really nervous and not very confident. And when they're not confident, it's like a waiter at a table. When you go to dinner and your waiter's super nervous, you're like, oh shit, I'm never going to eat. You know? <laughs> but they, uh, but if they're confident and they're hiring you to collaborate with them to help make their project better, yeah. I mean, that's really. You know the kind of director I prefer to work with. And so, say I'm a student and I walk into your your acting class mm-hmm. the first day one. Yeah. What is the first thing that you teach? Well, to come to, you know, when I say come up and do an exercise, I want you to come up with enthusiasm and an energy and a willingness to learn. You yeah. know, it's like if I teach someone to ride a bike, I can't say you know you're going to ride a bike and I don't want you to ever fall. Yeah, that makes no sense. It's okay. You make mistakes. We we do a thing and we screw up in class. We all go, we did it. <laughs> so because the more mistakes you make, the more you learn. Right. So um, it's really about loosening up, uh, having fun, and um, playing. You know, truly in the sense of playing like a child. Yeah. You know, if you go to a grocery store and you see a little kid running around the aisles. They don't care what they look like, right? You know, and the, and the other thing is, get out of your own way. You know, you can't criticize as you go. You can't sit there and go, "Ah, oh, that sucked," or "Ha, ah, that was amazing." You know, you have to just stay in it and commit a hundred percent. And really, it's you know, and the other thing with dramatic or um, comedic is, you just can't be afraid of how you look. You know, now it's so funny with Instagram and all this stuff people are judging the way they look all the time right yeah. all the time so now some of my younger students they're like they hold back because they don't want to look bad and I go well that's you know look how goofy Meryl Streep has looked and for all different parts it's a and, you think there's a distinct difference on on this generation because I have some teenage kids and yeah. it occurred to me no part of their life has not been documented on camera yeah so it's it's a definitely a different thing, but documented to be judged by yeah. others. So they're they're in this constant mode of being judged and judging, and you can't do that if you're an actor. You can't judge, you know, anything. That's the director's job. Right. You just commit to it, play, and then they'll adjust. So kind of like check your ego at the yeah, door check and your shut your brain off and go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then then the number one most common sense thing, and I'm trying to teach my teenage daughters this all the time, is that. You have to have a good attitude and be easy to work with. Yeah. I don't care if you're good or bad, but if you're a pain in the ass, then that's going to be worse for you in your career, any career. I mean, just like this is conventions. Right. And uh, if there was a guy that was difficult to work with at the convention, then JV wouldn't hire him again. You know, right. Yeah. It's like you, you, you may have your one moment, yeah. but then that'll probably be yeah. your only moment. So you just have to have a good attitude and, and be easy to work with and fun. Do you see, um, so when they perform in, in your class, mm-hmm. is it something that you video record and then collectively critique that? No, we, no, right now at these points and for a while, I just, you know, give them adjustments. Yeah. You know, 
you have to look at it as like you're doing something and I see it as like a bowling pin with the rails up, you know? I'll just adjust you so you can keep going. So you can get a strike, yeah. hopefully? Yeah, you can get a strike, hopefully. <laughs> but um, it's such a subjective craft anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, you can tell if someone's having fun, committed, connected. Those are the things that are way more important than if they get the basic rules um, at the beginning. Yeah. At the beginning. I remember I heard um, a quote from Gary Marshall where he said that if you see a good performance, that's the actor. If everybody's performing well, that's the director. Do you think that's yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. The, a lot of casting, is, or a lot of directing is casting the right people. Yeah. And once they get the right people, then then... If you collect the right people to do your thing, it'll be easy. And do you feel like there's a tendency to typecast in oh, Hollywood? Sure. Yeah. Is that a good thing, bad thing? I mean, it's it's. I understand why it is because you know it would say, well, let's put a let's put some Captain Crunch in the brand list. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. How does that work? You know. Uh, so it's it's. It's much more difficult to say. Oh, he can, you know. I, I luckily I was the milk guy when I first came right, out, yeah. and there. And I remember telling. I was just telling the student this that there were there was commercials after I did the milk commercial that said Sean Whalen type. And, oh really? You know, yeah, it was on the breakdown. So we need a Sean Whalen type. And then my agent would go, Hey, can Sean come in? They go, No, we don't want Sean. <laughs> we want we a want type Sean like Sean. Type, like yeah. Sean. What's more Sean Whalen than Sean Whalen? But I understood what they were doing. They're like, well, he's so exposed on the milk commercial. We don't want him. Oh, someone like him. Yeah. And they were like, oh, they want the Sean Whalen before yeah. he's known. Where he well, has the a big joke break. is always, you know, we want uh, who is Sean Whalen? Uh, bring me Sean Whalen. Bring me a younger Sean Whalen. Who is Sean Whalen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's the, the arc of yeah. Hollywood. Um, but you're still actively working. Uh, I am. So you said you were working on a, a Rob uh, Zombie film? Yeah, I just did the Devil's Rejects sequel um, called Three from Hell um, six weeks ago. So it's coming out in early 2019. And how was that experience? It was great. I remember I'm a working. huge zombie fan. So. I mean, he, when I did Halloween 2 with him years ago, I remember we were in, the, it was it, all of a sudden a rainstorm came and he and I just sat under this tarp talked about movies yeah and you know 10 years later he asked me to do this i came and uh we did the same thing we were sitting there but it was a scene with me and sherry and uh he's like i like what you're doing he we there's two parts of the scene he i did the first part he's like i really like what you're doing he goes can we just scratch the script on the second part uh and we'll just come up with our own so me sherry and rob wrote Oh, nice. on the fly, and then we did it. Yeah. So it was. So that's. So that's that kind of collaborative thing that you really like to work with. I like what you're doing, and I want to keep going in that direction. So let's rewrite this because the writing doesn't work. Let's come up with something even cooler, you know. And that was awesome. Yeah. So cool. It's really great. Do you ever have the kind of opposite experience, like I don't know, name names, but like where you're on a set and you're like, this is a horrible thing, and what is he doing, and how do you? Well, I had a guy. I had a guy. That I mean, for character actors and comedians, I mean, it's funny. I just saw the Jerry Seinfeld and Jim Carrey that writing and comedian. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedians in cars getting coffee. Yes, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about Don Knotts as um, Barney Fife. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know. But uh, he was, um, they just said it was one of the greatest, hilarious parts because 100% arrogance and confidence with nothing to back it up. That's what made it so great. Yeah. You know, they were saying that's what, there's nothing better than that. It's nothing funnier. So I did a movie where I was playing a goofy deputy and I said, listen, you know, they're like, we want you in this movie. And I said, great. So they, I started doing it. He's like, well, I'll do this, do that, do that. And I said, listen, I'm not going to do Barney Five. Yeah. Like, I'm not going, I mean, I was supposed to be an overly cock, cocky deputy that wasn't that strong. And so, but I'll do my version. I'm not going to do him. Right. That's You don't want to do an impersonation. Yeah, yeah. It's like reverence, you know, especially as a character. So you go, that's a genius part done so well and I kept doing it uh, doing my thing and, and people were laughing the crew was laughing but he was getting more and more frustrated and then finally he just goes just do Barney fight and I was like <laughs> I told you I wouldn't do it so I kind of did what I you know but but again of course people were like oh yeah you really like did Barney fight because it was a deputy it was, it, it was, was exactly a deputy like that yeah. was you know didn't have good you know anything to back up so that was that was the opposite experience that, that he just wanted me to do Barney Five, and uh, it turned out okay because I did learn from that to go. Even if I try to do Barney Five, I can't do Barney Five because I'm not Barney Five. Right, right. I'm not done not. So it's not going to be an impersonation. I have a friend actually who does the voice everything with Barney Five. He left my mom a birthday message because she was such a fan of. Uh, of um, uh, Andy Griffith as Barney Fife wishing her birthday uh, so awesome. But um, but even my you know take on the it can't be you know yeah it's just like Johnny Depp when he said I'll just be Keith Richards you know right for Captain Jack Sparrow he just said I'll do you know a pirate that never dies that's Keith Richards <laughs> and that's why he did him for Captain Jack Sparrow yeah and you know you don't look at that and go oh he's doing Keith Richards. But you kind of go, oh, I can see right, right. elements. Of when Keith someone Richards. says it's Keith Richards, like, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was just when Seinfeld got strong. Everybody was saying, we want a goofy neighbor. But, but you know, make it your own. Yeah. That's what they did with Michael Richards. Make it your own, but be yeah. Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they wrote it just like Kramer and would say, you know, he walks into the room really brusquely and he says things a certain way and you're like, Dude, don't write Kramer and tell me not to do Kramer. So I, finally, I would just go, all right, I'll do my version of Kramer. Yeah. Like, That's hilarious. Where'd you come up with that? And you're like, really? <laughs> you know, I love when Hollywood does stuff like that and then they complain that people aren't watching. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It's like, because I've already seen it. Yeah. Um, so uh, is there anyone in the audience that has questions for sure? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What we got? I want to watch the movie. I want to watch out for the scene. Anything that you can kind of hint at me when I'm seeing it? Well, first of all, you have to pray. He had a lot of people uh, praying that it stays in the movie. That's number one. But you'll know it's me. You know, I, I you know, we signed a literally a legal document. Yeah, yeah. Talk about it. So, uh, you'll. I mean, you're not under gallons of makeup or anything. No. Oh, no. oh. You mean like it's not like I'm under prosthetics. No, no, no. Can't Let me clarify it. the question. When we're watching the movie, I'd love to know. Is this the scene he's talking about that he helped? Oh, the one that you... Oh, 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 oh. I mean, one long scene with Sherry. That's the one. So that's the one. Yeah. 
Yeah, is that's it, the one you'll be able to tell. Is it difficult to be on the set? Like, I don't know, Sherry or, or Rob, but I mean, yeah. for a married couple to like be director-actor, is that a weird dynamic? They've always handled it very well. Yeah. Like, I've never... You know, the only difference is like, we're going to lunch, and I go, great. And then everyone's walking, and he, you know, the director kisses the lead actress on the mouth and goes, okay, you know, I'll see you at the table. You know, that's the only You didn't get a kiss from Rob? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little upset. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe next time. A little yeah. unfair. <laughs> no, I'm not married to you, but I don't get a kiss. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, they, um, yeah, they've always handled it really, really well. Yeah that I've seen, so, um, cause he's so busy doing his thing, and, um, no, they're really so mellow. He's like, it's so funny, the two biggest horror people I've worked with are Rob Zombie and, um, Wes Craven, they were both so mellow. It's funny, I've seen tons of interviews with him, you know, with Rob, with Rob, and I just saw him live in concert, I think last summer maybe the summer before yeah, and I was blown so away good. how much energy he has on stage and I'm like it's a different person yeah 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 well it's Rob Zombie the rock star you know right I mean? and uh, yeah he's super mellow and super educated in films and then Wes is, Wes was always Wes and if you watch interviews with Wes he's just yeah quiet and mellow super sweet and very nurturing and super positive and you know it's crazy. It's great. So, so. I, I tend to see people look at other careers kind of through rose-colored glasses. What is the least favorite part of your job? Like, what is the part that you dread? Is it uh, promotion I mean, stuff? It, well, it's it, in you know. Europe. You have, you know, because there's some people when you meet them, especially at these conventions, they say things, and, and you know, you, I love doing this, and you're like, it's great. I'm like, oh, you're so lucky. Look at all this work, and. Uh, but you have to fight for every gig. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you that many things that are on the table that I did, there's several thousand that I didn't do. Right. That I didn't get the part. That I went for the audition, you know. And then there's maybe a handful, not a handful, but it, maybe a semi-decent amount, amount that I just, I, I really wanted those parts. And I didn't get them. Yeah. So it's always about. I mean, I heard. I remember like Russell Crowe after Gladiator was like shaking and, and nervous on the flight home, and they were like, "Why?" And he goes, "I just don't know if I'll ever work again." Like, you just need Gladiator, <laughs> and, you re- and that's the thing yeah. is you don't know. Now I've never gotten to that level. Like, oh my god, I may never work again. I mean, it has happened when, especially in the beginning in the '90s, I was working every every couple of months pretty consistently mm-hmm. and then when that started to stretch to three or four or five you know what i mean you start you do start to panic but i also learned how to change my thinking the last few years i went through a pretty bad divorce and had a really tough time for a little while I went to therapy and i read this great book and it totally changed the way you think yeah and then you go well if i may maybe i won't do that but i'll figure out something else to do Right. You know, like teach or uh, really promote myself so I can do horror conventions like that. And then by doing those things, then you realize you get more work because your students do projects or introduce you to people that give you more projects. And then, or coming here, I've had directors come. And so it's useless. Uh, I mean, this book I read was called Learned Optimism, but it said if you're a guy defusing a bomb, 
and you start to panic and go, if this bomb goes off, I'm dead. Well, that's a fact. He, it's not like he's wrong. Right. But then you have to say, but is it useful for me to think about? Right. Probably not. Is that what you want it's to focus like, on? Right. It's yeah. like sitting in a life raft and staring in the ocean going, I could drown in here. Yeah. As opposed to going, I need to fucking eat. Right. Like, how do I catch a seagull and eat or grab a fish or, you know, so it's usefulness. So it's not useful for me to sit around and say, oh, no, or, you know. So I wrote a play with a friend last year. We did a nine-month run. It got so well-received that we're writing a pilot of it. We got the executive producer of New Girl, who saw it several times, said, you know, you guys are on the right track. Write the pilot. Um, you know, things like that, like um, uh, making stuff happen for yourself. Yeah. And realizing, like, for me, if my scene doesn't get cut from Rob's movie... I'll be able to do conventions forever. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you really enjoy this part of the job? And I know that's kind of a little yeah, question. Yeah, I do. To be I, I think I, I think I do because I mean, it, it took a while to get used for my ex-wife was never really understood it. And she was like, Just go get the money from those losers, and I was like, that's not right. Like, right. That's a really negative way to. Uh, that's a, that's a, it's a really negative way to uh, look at it. And then I finally kind of came to a realization, not that long ago, I've been doing it for a few years, but I think it was because when I did a play in Los Angeles, and we'd finish, and we'd see everybody who saw the play, shake their hand, and say what they liked, and, you know, then Hollywood, they're like, if they stick around, they liked it, if they bolt right after, they didn't. Yeah. And, you know, a few people always would bolt, and a lot of people would stay. But I realized that, so that work they saw, they appreciated, they commented on, and they went home. Well, this work I did 27 years ago, people on the stairs, people are still watching, and I've never met them. Yeah. I don't get to meet my audience who was there. But, you know, someone asked me a question, like, is it weird? And I said, well, in Hollywood, we just, all you're doing is you do a job, and then you, def- you not desperately, but then with abandon you try to find another one right and then you do that job and then you that job ends and you have to try to find another job and you have to keep that thing going so we're just working but meanwhile the jobs we're doing are being put into your living rooms continuously into forever your, right into <laughs> yeah. your movie theaters so when people say well why don't you remember me and i remember this one guy and i said listen i'm not trying to be mean but i've been in your living room yeah and i've been in your date when you saw a movie at a movie theater but you haven't been in mine. Right, right. So I don't... If, you, you can know, quote things that I've said, you, but I've never heard right, you speak before. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't... So so to me, it's really neat to connect with people. Who, I mean, I've had amazing... I mean, there's a few moments in my life I'll never forget, which is, like, I had a, my... Uh, I did my uh, milk commercial, and they... Um, this woman came up to me and said... I'm uh, so grateful for you. And I said, why? And she said, because I had cancer and I was in the hospital and it was so brutal and they didn't know if I'd make it. And so she goes, but your face would come on TV all the time in that milk commercial. And I would laugh. And I promised you that laughter helped me get through it. And I'm like, 
my god you know again it's just like it's just a commercial yeah day you know but she said we were so funny and it's so great you know that was one and then just a couple years ago you guys said oh my mom and i watch twister all the time every thanksgiving and he goes and this year it's going to be tough and i said why because she passed away she goes but her uh but she'll be watching i said well i'll be watching this year uh for the first time by myself and she goes but it's the you know i got to meet you right and if she would be so happy that i met you and you know hug and chat chat for a while and you go you don't realize that that stuff means so much to people yeah you know that you know the thing what we do is you know um so uh so that was really that was that's the thing that we realized is that we're doing something that's last forever and now with Netflix and everything it's probably, like I'm getting stopped on the street more now for friends I did an episode Oh as you said I didn't even know you're on friends <laughs> I did an episode of friends and everyone's going oh you're on friends I was like you know these 12 year old kids yeah. and my daughter's friends and because they saw it on Netflix, right? And it's, it's, it's one know, of those always trending kind of things. Yeah. Is it weird for your kids to like? You know, he's not from Friends. He's dad. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, <laughs> they're impressed with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they loved it when I brought them to Wizards of Waverly Place. And they were little girls, and they got to meet Selena Gomez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, they saw my makeup, and they met Selena Gomez, though. And then my ex-wife was like, "All right, now it's Dad's scene." You know, like, you want to get on the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care you don't care about him. <laughs> we already met Selena. Yeah. Get, you know, where, oh, where's that snack table? Didn't someone and, say uh, lunch? Yeah. Yeah, they love the snack table. Yeah. It was like the big table of snacks all day long. They love that. <laughs> but, they, you know, they really care. But, you know, my daughter loves Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I did an episode. She hadn't seen it in a while, and so she re-watched it recently, and it was like I was in the kitchen. Oh, that's right. You're in this show. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you empty the dishwasher yet? Like, you know. I mean, that's a show about that so, bike you yeah. have. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's it's so so for me the conventions are neat because you finally get to meet people who have seen your stuff and yeah. see. And obviously, if they're coming here and they're walking up to my table, they probably enjoyed it. Right. You know, they're not gonna come up and go, "You're fucking horrible." <laughs> have you ever <laughs> had socks? Have you ever had something like that? Or? No, no. Yeah. The, the best. The, I had something that was really great. This guy came up, and there's a picture of me as Roach, and I was always, like, you know, kind of creepy. And he goes, "How did you guys do those prosthetics?" And I said, "Well, the fingers were really tedious because they were they had to be glued on every day." And then painted to match, and then my skin was painted to match the glued-on fingers. And all that. he goes, "No, no, 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 no! How long did it take you to do those fucked-up teeth and gums?" <laughs> and I go, and "You're like, wait, how old I, am I?" I, I said, nine months." <laughs> my mom had to do it in her belly. <laughs> and I go, "That's actually my mom." And he goes, "Really?" All right. He didn't buy anything. Yeah. He didn't buy anything. And I was, I laughed so hard, and because uh, my brothers-in-law always gave me a hard time about my uh, big gums and no lips, and so I called him immediately. And I was like, "You're over there. You gotta tell you the story." But, and he didn't mean to be mean, right? It's just yeah. like, really? Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> but no, I haven't had. Uh, I mean, I. But what's weird about people under the stairs? I've heard so much when I was a kid. 
And then people come up and just go, oh, I love this movie. It's so inspiring. And another people just go on and go, man, this movie's... I don't even know why they call it a horror. It's a comedy. Yeah. You know? And so you get so many different interpretations. And the weird thing is for Roach, I don't Like, I started... I had to do this compilation thing. Um, and when I did my compilation, I was like, I'm on screen for 10 minutes. That's it. The entire yeah. movie. I'm in these little pieces for like a minute or two, about five of them, and that's it. And I go, why do people want to meet Roach? I'm not even in the movie that long. But it's because, and that took me a long time to process one one. So like, what hero would you like to be? Or what character would you like to be in your real life if you got to choose any? And I just said, wow, that's a weird question. And I said, probably Roach. And she said, why? And I said, because... He was a hero who didn't know he was a hero. Yeah. He was just trying to say fuck you to those people who are mean to him and all his friends. And he was trying to save the little girl. And it's it's weird like how frequently sometimes our favorite characters are have very little screen time. I mean Boba Fett is a perfect example. Yeah, exactly. He's barely in the movie. Barely ever in the movie. And he's people, everyone's yeah. favorite. Yeah. Yeah, it's really weird, so um, I mean, it's, it, it is fun to come to conventions and see the perspective and hear the stories. I mean, to me, my kids were like me. I was terrified. And I used to get in trouble because I'd sneak down and watch Twilight Zone. Yeah. And then my, you know, I'd be in my room. Go, I'm scared. <laughs> and my mom would come in and go, you know what? To my older, I remember my older sister was just like, hated you. And she doesn't watch. She goes, because you I wasn't allowed to watch Twilight Zone. Because you would come out and get scared all the time. And then mom would go, no more Twilight Zone. And like, Screw him, man. He's, he's still got dishes yeah, to do. Dishes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I, so when people walk up and goes, oh, I saw people on the stairs on the seven. Yeah. I'm like, what? If, if that blows me away about Hark. There's just... so many people who watch really scary things, so little. Yeah. And now, like, the parents will go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm turning him on to it. He's like seven, and he goes, I love the, uh, you know, I yeah. love Halloween. And you're like, Freddy Krueger's my favorite. Yeah, and I'm like, Freddy Krueger still freaks me out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's amazing, but, but, but there's this separation that they don't. Get scared by it. Yeah. Or even this one kid today said he did. He said, yeah, I saw it really little. And I said, did you get scared at night? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so you kept watching? He goes, yeah. So it was really strange. I thought it was really strange that I, you know, I don't think I could do that. Why do you think it is that people enjoy being scared? I mean, they've talked about it. It's just another adrenaline rush to shake up their, you know, some people have... Uh, Wrote jobs, you know, yeah, wrote jobs or wrote life or you know, tasks that are menial or, or just repetitive in a boring way. And I think it shakes it up a bit, you know what I mean. And I think, in a weird way, it probably gives perspective to go, Whew, thank god that's not gonna happen, yeah, yeah. But I mean, those are that's why it's the ones that scare me are the like the weird supernatural ghosty ones that, like, well, I can lock my door against Mike Myers, but you can creep in my brain. And Screw me up forever. Like the Matrix, when I first saw the Matrix, yeah. that fucked me up a little bit. I was like, ooh. Like, I really hate, like the ones that are really <laughs> yeah. esoteric. Am I alive? Am I truly alive? Or am I, you know? The thing that scared me the most as a kid, I don't know why my parents let me watch it. It was uh, a TV special. I wish I could remember the name of it, but it was about nuclear war. Uh, and the, this day, is like, the day after? 
maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sure, it's like yeah, 82 83 yeah. or something like that and, oh it messed me up for a long time <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah. it was that very realistic art yeah um so for oh, well, wait, is oh. there oh, oh. Book came in. Is sure oh. else have a question? Good shit. Yeah. Uh, do you let your kids watch the scary stuff that you were in? They're not interested. They're not interested. <laughs> no, they're not interested. Well, they saw my one, my one. Actually, they, they, okay. Recently, they were like, okay, we've never seen people on the stairs. So my youngest daughter, who's now fourteen, and her friend had just seen that. Did you ever guys see the Netflix movie Hush? Oh yeah. It was basically wait until dark, but with death instead of blood. Um, and. It was good, well done, simple, scary, and they were a little scared there. And then my oldest daughter went to bed, and her and her friend, my fourteen-year-old, and her friend watched um, people on the stairs. And they were like, and then we were at a convention, and my older daughter was there, and you know, she's a young woman. She was sixteen at the time. She's watching the movie, and then. And this is the stuff I forget about it, but the weird the dad almost molesting the little girl, you know? And I forgot that he does that, you know? And the mom's like, stop, you know, basically she's like, stop screwing all the girls that we date, you know? And, and I guess I didn't really. Yeah. And as soon as he started creeping on the young teenage girl, the, like the 12 year old girl, she was like, fucking I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't like the blood or anything like that. She goes, that's fucked up. That's not even entertaining. Like, I don't even see how anyone. And I, it was so weird. It was this element that I didn't even connect with. But uh, for me, the, the, the parents or like, mommy and daddy, whatever you call them, were so cartoony and weird that it was. It didn't, it separated. Right, yeah. But I can see that as a young girl her age, you know, just becoming a woman and going, oh my God, this is child porn. You know, yeah. This is a, a guy, you know, this is child molestation and I don't want to see this, you know? So it's funny. Like, you go, wow. And I said, yeah, but the whole point is we need to see the bad guy. I said, you need to see the bad guy be bad. Right. So then when they don't, when they get beaten, you know, you cheer. I was like, yeah. yeah. I mean, Darth Vader strangles a guy and kills him within the first five minutes of Star Wars to make you go, I hate you. You know what I mean? And so the guy who messes with the little girl, you go, I hate him. And she survives and he doesn't, you know? Right, right. So that's what you want to see, you know what I mean? Do your kids have ambitions to go into acting? No. No? My youngest would be great. She's come to my improv class a couple times. She's helped me film some things a couple times. She's so, she's got such a good knack for it. But, you know, I go, why? Isn't that funny? I'm like, we've seen your life. (laughs) (laughs) You have to work so hard and try different things and struggle. And, you you know, you don't know. My ex-wife and I have to meet, you know, for child support and, and spouse we have to meet every year because it's so different every right. year it can be good not as great okay you know because it fluctuates all the time and I'm like ugh I don't want that you know they want the stability so any other questions? you might be reluctant <laughs> what's the best experience you've had on a movie set and the worst experience you've had well the worst experience I had was a show called The Amazing Life Sea Monkeys, which is based on the little packets that you used to get with Howie Mandel. It's a Saturday morning show. 
and it was prosthetics. You know, we'd go in there at five in the morning and get full prosthetic makeup on, and then it was so hot in this cheap studio that they were shooting it in that like we had to wear a cool suit, which was a vest and with cool water pumped in it, and it was all goofy Three Stooges type dancing around. So you, it was so brutal. I lost so much weight and I was thin anyway, and. Like, I would just get anxiety attacks as soon as I'd go in at 5 in the morning and feel the cold blue, like the first piece that's going to cover your face the entire day for 15 hours. Yeah. Uh, and I remember going, you know, I was like, this is the Vietnam of <laughs> kid show that no one sees because it was, uh, and, and they put it on at 11 a.m., yeah. which would always be preempted by footballers or right. for anything, so no one ever saw it. And, um, no, because I kind of thought like, all right, this is tough, but this could be, this could catch on and be really like a big hit. But it was put at a time that, that was always preempted by stuff. No one saw it. We got, you know, I, I mean, a couple guys, they were like, they were like, I'm okay. And they were sweating. Luckily I didn't sweat that much, but this one guy was like, Hey, and just like <laughs> fell over on the ground. And yeah. One time the producer had to sit in for one of the actors and after that he's like, <laughs> yeah, um, and the the owners didn't care, and they were going to Vegas, and I like I almost quit acting. I'd only been in it for like three or four years. I almost left one hundred percent, and then uh, but I didn't, and and the reason was I didn't. I said, you know, I'm not going to make it about acting, but why do I want this job? And the job is I finally went because I like meeting new people, and I don't want to do the same thing. Okay, that will keep me going, and it's kept me going for this whole time. And then, uh, I mean, God, it didn't catch on. (laughs) One of the best, yeah, exactly. One of the best was uh, Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. It was one line, it was supposed to be one line. Um, But I was friends with them at the time, uh, her and her producing partner, Nancy Gervonne, who's now married to uh, Jimmy Fallon. And she called up and said, you know, um, listen, it's one line, but it, it wasn't this one line. It was about a guy handing her a message and a booger. Because, but if it wasn't that one line, what do you think is funny? And I said, I think it'd be funny if you wore an Armani suit. And he thought he was the biggest badass, like Wall Street, you know, kick-ass business person. But he's the secretary to a copy guy. <laughs> you know? Um, and then the, my stuff at the desk was the first day, first shot of the entire film. Yeah. And I started making stuff up on the fly. You know, I'd written some stuff down and started making it up as soon as she walked up. And I was like, I'm going to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> and she walked up and she goes, that's hilarious. Keep it up. It was Drew's first producing thing. She goes, keep it up. I want you to keep doing it. And then the director came up and said, well, we have to shoot the stuff with the booger. And Drew said, well, I don't know. Sean, do you want to do the scene with the booger? And I go, well, I'll do whatever you want. She goes, that's not what I'm asking. Do you want to do it? And the director said, oh, we have to do it. She goes, I want you to be quiet. Sean, do you <laughs> want to do it? And I was like, well, she goes, Sean, the character you created, a guy in a Armani suit who thinks he's really great, would he pick his nose and put a booger on a message? I'll do, what, I'll do whatever you want. And he said, I said, no, not really. Said, We're not going to shoot it. The director said, well... We have to have it. She goes, no, because then if you have it in the can and you could use it right, yeah. to the studio, and the studio goes, we think that's funny. She goes, it'll ruin all the hard work that Sean did 
creating a fun, full, realized character. So we're not shooting it now. And Drew like, <laughs> had my back the entire yeah. time. She kept on saying, write whatever you want, run it by us. And so my part went from one line, and now I'm in the entire movie. I've never been kissed throughout the whole thing. From beginning middle to end. It was yeah. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, it was like, so that was one of my best. So I think we're running uh, close to the end. Do you have any uh, parting advice for expiring actors? Okay. Uh, and, uh, listen, the, the new world is not, you know, we used to study... And we used to go to um, study, and then we'd get agents, and then the phone would ring, you know? And we'd go to a lot of auditions. Well, those days are kind of over. Um, they want people that create their own content. And the best examples now are, are you know, Rachel Bloom for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, Insecure on HBO, and all these people writing their own stuff creating their own content because why would they spend money on like I have an idea let's hire a bunch of people to develop let's hire a bunch of people when they can go to the internet and go let's make that a TV show yeah. you know it's all done for them that YouTube video is funny YouTube let's do that YouTube video is funny yeah. let's do that you know let's use them so there is no learning how to just act you need to learn how to act write direct produce you have to learn the whole thing so you can go in most of my friends from Groundlings that are working are working on uh, like Michael McDonald, did anyone watch uh, Matt on Fox? On Fox, yeah. on Matt TV. Yeah. Remember Stewart? The oh yeah, 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 Stewart. Yeah. That's my friend Michael. He was in Groundlings when I was in Groundlings, and now he's a director. He directs a bunch of TV now yeah. because he learned how to direct and write early on. So, and then um, another friend of mine was an executive producer on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and now he's acting in the show. Fred Savage, who was a friend of mine, you know, was obviously an actor. I mean, he'll go to a series every once in a while, but he's a big TV director. Like, the Brad Pitt got an Oscar for producing 12 Years a Slave. Not for acting. <laughs> so that's that's what I mean. So it's like, being part of the whole business. Yeah, it's, one, yeah you yeah. have to say, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't say, oh, I'm an actor. You say, I'm in, I'm in the entertainment business. Yeah. And learn. So that's what I teach my students, is to write, direct, produce, like do your own stuff so you can you know my and my friend who was a journalist said i used to go out 20 years ago with four people a sound guy a light guy a producer you know all these people she goes now i go with one one kid sits there with his headphones on does everything yeah does the lighting does the miking does the editing does it all themselves uh, everybody's everybody knows many things now they don't want just one thing it's not worth their time so, any other questions? Though? No. Yes. Is there anything from your movies or TV shows that you kept as like souvenirs, like neat props? Yeah, yeah. I have some. Like I have weird stuff. I mean, I have like my um, compass from Twister. Um, I have the backward the baseball hat I wore. I still have that. The baseball hat from that. Um, I have my finger. A set of my fingers from people <laughs> under the stairs. And it's weird. It's like this mold of. Thing, you know, the fresh fingers because they need a fresh pair every day. Right. So they rip them off. So I have a set of my five fingers. I had my tongue forever and I don't know where, like I looked for it recently and I couldn't find it. <laughs> um, and scripts, you know, scripts with the notes from the directors and things like that. I kept a lot of my big scripts. Um, but yeah, things like 
things like that. I kept little little things. You know, you'd go and go. Oh no, hey, that's the shirt I wore. That's the thing I wore. But from those two movies, yeah, I, I and Drew gave us a. She, oh, she gave us a baseball from Never Been Kissed. You know, like, and so I kept that. And, so I have a few things, but not, not a ton, you know, you can get so much stuff. I get some crazy clothes from some movies and things like that. Uh, do you have fans bring you in stuff when you do conventions, drawings? Yeah, yeah, I have some, I have one guy did a, did a drawing, a painting of Roach that I have. Um, one guy did a really cool, he took VHSs and he did his paintings on a VHS. So on like the, the tape? On an actual oh, tape. Oh, cool. Yeah, with people on the stairs. Some guy did make buttons of, you know, things. So I have a few of those, too. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. Uh, any of you last questions? Yeah. So do, you, do you have a dream project? Like, if you had no limitations, you would make... I mean, I think I've, I'm working on a play right now with one of my best friends and a group of great people. It would be fun. I'd like to, I'd like to be in a series that I created. That would be my dream job. And that's what I'm working on right now. It's a comedy I did in LA for nine months. We had a nine month run and we're doing the writing of this pilot. And if I could actually be a part of that and you know, be a part of the making of it, the writing of it, and then act in it, like that would be my dream. And it looks like an or or a movie, you know, uh, of the same thing that I wrote and created to start in. All right, Sean, uh, thank you so much for taking the time thank to talk to so us. Thank you. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash inebriart to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.